welcome to Back from the Abyss. I'm Dr. Craig Heacock. For years now, there's been an increasingly severe shortage of psychiatrists in the United States. But today, I'm going to explore a much more complicated and uncomfortable issue, and one that I get asked about all the time, which is, why is it so hard to find a good psychiatrist? I'm going to break this down into three areas, the pipeline, the training, and the practice. First, let's look at the selection process of future psychiatrists. Medical schools select students based on MCAT scores and grades, particularly in the pre-med wean-out classes such as analytical and organic chemistry, and expressed interest and experience in medicine such as volunteering in hospitals. Note the things that medical schools don't typically select for, such as emotional intelligence, insight, resilience, past experience in undergoing psychotherapy, curiosity in the psyche and why we do what we do, and finally, the willingness and ability to withstand the negative psychiatry bias that still exists in some medical schools. Med schools tend to select for introverted, highly analytical, science and math-oriented hyperachievers. Those with an interest in psychology are most welcome to apply, but but they better evade calculus, cell biology, and organic chemistry, which, unfortunately, don't really have that much to do with the current practice of clinical psychiatry. So, from day one of year one in medical school, the number of students who are likely to be drawn to psychiatry and to thrive there is already small. And as the students reach their clinical rotations, they may begin to get negative messages about psychiatry from residents and attendings and other specialties. It's not uncommon for students who are thinking about matching in psychiatry to keep that a secret until fourth year so they don't have to try to justify their choice. Now, I went to med school to be a psychiatrist, so I was very open about it. And I've joked with people that's a little bit like joining the football team to be the kicker. But there's actually some truth to that because I caught a ton of shit for saying from the get-go that I wanted to be a psychiatrist. By the time that fourth year interviewing and the match come around, the students who plan to match in psychiatry tend to break down into two small groups. There's one group who feels called to work with mental illness, both for its challenge and the uniqueness of its suffering. And the other group that, well, they're choosing psychiatry more out of default because it is relatively easy to match in, mostly lacks the grim sights and sounds and smells of a medical or surgical specialty. For international medical graduates who want to train in the U.S., there can be a similar calculus. Some percentage of international students are choosing psychiatry because they love it, but others because it is relatively easy to match in and thus gain a foothold in American medicine. This second stage is training. In residency, we begin to practice evaluating and treating patients from a medical perspective, where diagnosis guides treatment. In some residency programs, the medical model, or what is called quote-unquote biological psychiatry, reigns supreme, and psychotherapy takes a distant back row seat. At other programs, residents become skilled in at least two or three psychotherapeutic modalities, such as psychodynamic therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy, which brings a lot of richness, but also increasing complexity and confusion to the diagnostic formulation. For example, a patient might be seen to have quote-unquote major depressive disorder 
in the medical model or biological psychiatry model, but have disordered early childhood attachments in a psychodynamic model and toxic core beliefs in a CBT model. Some psychiatric residents really take to this multi-layered, multi-dimensional approach to psychiatric diagnosis and formulation. But others, they fall back to the much simpler but greatly limited medical model, which then leads them to use medication as their primary treatment strategy. Once psychiatrists leave residency and start to practice, we are confronted with some difficult dilemmas. After three years of psychiatric clinics during training, some have already decided that outpatient practice is just too emotionally draining and that inpatient psychiatry offers a way to see patients yet not get too pulled into their patients' day-to-day lives. Those who still feel committed to doing outpatient psychiatry then choose between employment, say with a large clinic or hospital system, or going out on their own. Employment typically affords a good salary and benefits, but most often comes with the expectation of doing 15 to 20 minute medication checks all day long. Now, lots and lots of smart and caring psychiatrists choose the employment option, but they then get locked into the med check model, which sets them up for frustration and failure, much like, I don't know, trying to play an electric guitar without an amp or attempting to teach a third grade classroom via Zoom. A medication check is, in essence, a short series of questions about symptoms and medication effects. A med check is to a proper psychiatric visit as a tortilla is to a burrito. I mean, it's a critical part, but it's just the beginning. So what's not included in the typical med check? Well, I would argue almost everything important, including a detailed exploration of sleep habits, quality and quantity, an update on pertinent stressors, check-ins about substance use and abuse, working through the ongoing psychotherapy issues, frequent reassessment of the treatment relationship, ongoing exploration of both treatment and life goals, intermittent family sessions to get collateral information and to make sure the key players are on the same page, check-ins about any changes with ongoing medical issues, and potentially much, much more. The big hospital systems and mental health centers usually insist upon the MedCheck model because outpatient psychiatry is a huge money loser. My first job out of residency was at a psychiatric hospital and outpatient clinic that was part of a larger medical system. Despite being booked out in the clinic for months, we lost millions of dollars over the years I worked there. And that was all subsidized by the profitable parts of the hospital system, like surgical procedures and MRIs. When I was there, we were graciously allowed 30-minute visits, which gave us some time for deeper exploration and connection. And sadly, I recently heard that they decided to eliminate the remaining psychiatrist in the outpatient clinic as part of a cost-saving measure. While the medication check model can be emotionally less taxing and more financially lucrative, I would argue that it is often impossible to give appropriate care in 15 minutes. Plus, This MedCheck model just leaves psychiatrists missing out on the most rewarding aspects of psychiatry. So for the now much diminished number of psychiatrists who choose to go out on their own, each of us must make the painful decision about whether to accept insurance or not. Being on insurance panels means 
not only having to hire staff to manage the claim submission and management process, it means accepting payments based on 15 to 20 minute medication checks. Now, insurance companies really like med checks because they're short, relatively inexpensive, and easy to categorize. Thus, a psychiatrist who wants to take the time that patients need and deserve is most likely going to end up being self-employed and probably taking few to no patients with insurance. And this is the sad truth of psychiatry in 2021. Finally, the vicarious trauma of working with severe mental illness can take a major toll on so many psychiatrists. And the regular listeners of Back from the Abyss have heard how this work has at times led me to some really, really dark places. We psychiatrists get depressed, we abuse drugs and alcohol, we kill ourselves at rates significantly higher than most other medical specialties. To work in this field means to bear witness to soul-crushing stories of pain and trauma, and also to lose patients to untreatable despair and disability and sometimes death. So finding a good outpatient psychiatrist, it's kind of like finding the salmon who made it past the fishermen and the dams and the fish ladders and came all the way back home against all odds. There are psychiatrists out there who can help you. It's going to take some time and patience to find them. And I so hope that you can. (laughs) 